Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 131 of the Adam Shine Podcast. And this week's featured guest, one of the best sports columnists in the country, brilliant sports writer, absolutely hilarious, has an incredible new book out. Jason Gay from the Wall Street Journal is the featured guest this week on the Adam Shine Podcast. Wanted to have Jason on the pod for a long time. Interviewed him once on television, and he was absolutely hysterical when he joined us on time to shine on cbs sports network you're gonna love what he has to say about the new book which is a collection of essays that he wrote about life and family during the pandemic we'll get into his recap article of the game of the year with the buffalo bills and the minnesota vikings i mean it is laugh out loud how the hell did he think of that kind of funny we'll get into his style his time on television with regis I mean, he is just the absolute best. You guys are going to love Jason Gay from the Wall Street Journal. And as always, we start the Adam Shine podcast with you asked for it. You got it. You asked for it. You got it. So the winning vote on Twitter, and make sure you follow the show and me and the podcast on Twitter at Adam Shine, was commentary on Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday And the fact that he was able to get a win in his first time coaching on the collegiate or the NFL level, never coached before. He was a high school coach, but that doesn't count. And he storms into Vegas and beats Josh McDaniels and the Vegas Raiders. So, listen, you know I think the hire is is a joke. I think I agree with everything that Bill Cowher said, our friend on the NFL on CBS, when he said it was a disgrace to the profession and embarrassment. And I said as much last week on the podcast and all week leading up to this. And after he was hired, it was a headline from The Onion. I mean, it's crazy that Jeff Saturday goes from the Get Up studio. We had Mike Greenberg on the podcast last week and goes from ESPN to being the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and brings in a and elevates a play caller, someone by the name of Parks Frazier, or that Frazier Crane or Cherokee Parks or Parks and Rec, calls the place. So, you know, before people start taking a victory lap of I told you this was a good hire, I mean, he was going against the Raiders. And, and frankly, that's more of the indictment and the topic for conversation than anything. Josh McDaniels is 2-7. and seven. Josh McDaniels lost a home game to Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts, and it wasn't even one of the four worst losses for Josh McDaniels in his first year coaching the Raiders. He has three losses when the team was up by 17 or more points. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the Chiefs Monday night game that he should have won, and he screwed that up in terms of how he coached and went to go for two. 
the Arizona Cardinals, they were up 20 to nothing at the half. And, you know, Cliff and Kyler, they never come back in, in football games. Not to mention, the Raiders didn't score when they visited Dennis Allen and the Saints. That was the single worst performance over the course of four quarters by any football team the entire season. Derek Carr has regressed, worst season of his career. Josh McDaniel is supposed to be a, a quarterback offensive guru. And Mark Davis has the nerve, the chutzpah, the audacity to say, why is there talk about McDaniel's one and done? I mean, Mark, what are you kidding me? Josh should have resigned on the spot. His key card should have stopped working to get into the building after Jeff Saturday walked into his house, kept his shoes on, and then urinated all over the carpet. So that is a complete and utter debacle when you look at the Raiders. And McDaniels, like all these other, you know, Belichick fakers, the fake tough guys, they're front runners. You got to win. And once the wheels start falling off, then everything, you know, explodes. Look at Patricia, Mangini, Joe Judge. At least those guys at least had a moment where you thought maybe they could coach. Then you realize that they were fake, 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 as Elaine once said in Seinfeld. So this is not about a victory lap for those who defended Jeff Saturday. No, the hire was insane. This is more about the Raiders and how inept Josh McDaniels is at his job. Now, it does beg the question, would you leave your current job to, to coach the, the Indianapolis Colts? Because Saturday was completely not qualified. I would not. I love what I do on, on Sirius XM with the podcast and the radio show and CBS Sports. I, I love it too much. Bob, now this is loaded because we work together. So if you're going to leave your job to coach the Colts, it might be a, a direct slide and a direct slap at me. Would you leave your current job as the senior executive producer of Shine on Sports and the Adam Shine podcast to right now be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? That's just a lot of pressure, Adam. I mean, also, there's a lot of criticism that goes into being an NFL head coach, right? You're basically getting hired to be fired in a couple of months while taking all the needles and barbs from the media. I don't really think it's that plum of a job, to be honest. Because, like, like I said, you're getting hired to be fired. I do find it really funny, Adam, that all of these people, after Jeff Saturday won, have come out and done a victory lap. Like, Insane. this... Yeah, like, this worked. This was unbelievable. All the haters ripping people like Bill Cower and Joe Thomas, Hall of Famers, ripping both of them, saying, oh, their takes are outrageous, they're asinine, because they ripped the whole process in hiring Jeff Saturday. I mean, they beat the Raiders, Adam. They're, they're acting like they beat the 72 Dolphins here. You got Jim Ursay taking a victory lap. I mean, did they look at the schedule with the Eagles coming up? So I get it. I understand the premature victory lap here, Adam, right? I understand it. Because when the Eagles kill them coming up this week, they won't be able to say, oh, yeah, I told you so. You see, I told you so. But, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I don't think so. Like, I don't want to take that criticism. I don't want to take a job that I know I'm going to get fired in two months, right? Like, it's basically like you're throwing it on the resume, right? That's you know, right. I, 
Yeah, like Shine On Sports Producer, the Adam Shine Podcast Producer, Coach of the Indianapolis Head Coach, <laughs> and then my next job would be, you know, 2022, right? That's what it would be, 2022, 2023. So I'd have to start looking for new jobs already, Adam. I don't know. I, it's too much. I don't want to coach the Colts. I don't want to coach much. Them. I mean, you no. got all these TV personalities now thinking like Aaron Boone goes into managing and Jeff Saturday goes into coaching. I mean – you're a, a personality on the podcast, radio show, producer, so hey, you, you might be going back to Rhode Island to run that basketball program, Bob, <laughs> if you know what's if, funny if though, Adam, to the podcast. You know what's funny, though? I do feel like I could have won that game last week. Like, if you gave me, me, I know nothing about coaching. But I that's have the no point, NFL right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I could have won one game, though, right? I don't feel like I could have ever beaten any of these other teams. Because it's not very difficult to simply, you know, first off, play Matt Ryan, which was give Jeff Saturday credit. He does deserve credit for that, right? And also say, you know what? Maybe let's just give Jonathan Taylor the football. It, to me, it's not that difficult to just make those choices, right? So I do see it in that sense. But, like, in the long term, I would not be long for the coaching job. So, hell no, I would not want to take that job. People taking victory laps like Jeff Saturday with some great out-of-the-box hire. Please, absolutely pathetic. Jason Gay is the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast. You guys are going to love it. And he's coming up next. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Mike Babchick from Morning Man of Mad Dog Sports Radio. When you are done listening to Shine, come hear me as I roast them. It's Babchick's morning after the podcast. We try to make sure our bosses never find out about it. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast. He is one of my favorite columnists who covers sports. Sports columnist from the Wall Street Journal. He is a critically acclaimed author. He has an unbelievable new book out. I wouldn't do that if I were me. Modern blunders and modest triumphs, but mostly blunders. The great Jason Gay. Jason, how are you? Thank you. I feel like you're like my personal uh, Michael Buffer there. I love it. Love it. Can you just come and do that? Like when I sit down at dinner with my family, because they're very unimpressed by me. 
Yeah, that's what I should do. I'll show up at, at your house for dinner, and before the meal is served, I'll just give an introduction to the family. Remind them how lucky they are that they get yeah. to have dinner every single night with yeah. you. Yeah. Listen, I, I am thrilled to have you on the podcast. I had you on the television show on Time to Shine yeah. once, and, yeah. and it was awesome, and it was a lot of fun. You are my, my favorite national sports columnist, and we'll get to the reasons why, and we'll get to some of your columns in a, a minute. But I see that you have a new book out. And I, you know, so I ask my producers, I ask my guy Bob Stu, the publicist, is Jason Gay doing any media? No, he's not doing any media. I go to your Twitter feed, and no, there's a video of like cats, you know, they're fighting each other. So, so we're getting Jason Gay on by ourselves because I loved your first book. I love your columns. So, and I love the premise of this book Essays on Life During the Pandemic, Life Lessons. The last two years, how much did that inspire you to write this book? I mean, it was everything. And to make sort of light of some of the scenarios we all encountered is not to diminish, you know, what was obviously a very trying time and a very severe moment in our history. But you know, it's impossible to have gone through these past, what, we could say 36 months now and see the sort of structural and family and employment changes, cultural changes, some of the acrimony and not feel there's some fertile territory to cover, you know, and, 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 and to have a little bit of fun with it. I, you know, you probably felt the same way, but I remember vividly in March 2020, I felt like I all of a sudden owned like a Betamax store. Like I was just like, what? am I going to do? Right. And people would come to me. Well, we weren't ever seeing anybody, but people would, you know, email me or call and say like, well, what are you going to do, man? You're going to be out of work. There's no sports to write about. What are you going to do? Uh, and we all kind of had to pivot. And one of the things that I found real satisfaction and joy in, frankly, was being able to write to readers about these situations that we were all encountering, whether it was having our families suddenly all around us, whether it was the strange ways that sort of day-to-day -day life changed. And again, none of it is to sort of, you know, downplay what was a very severe and, and painful situation. However, there were elements of this that I just feel like have structurally changed us. And, and I felt there was a lot of opportunity for humor there. Yeah, and, and it really pours through. It pours through in the book. It pours through with the collection of essays. And, you know, I always enjoy when you write about, you know, parenthood, you know, whether it's a, a tweet, whether it's a full article, whether it's your first book. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. You know, I'm, I'm 45. I have three kids, 14, 12, and 7. So I, I can relate to a lot of things that, that you write about. The, the fishing essay take uh, me and the audience through the fishing essay well first of all you're very kind to ask but i would say that the background of it is that i grew up as a fishing hater my father was obsessed with fishing he was the kind of guy who would you know wake up at three o'clock in the morning on a friday and go out fish all night and was always trying to bring me along on these adventures with him and i was like no chance i don't care i don't want to stand on a beach i don't want to get cold i don't want to get wet not interested, not interested, not interested. My father passed away, I guess about eight years now. And lo and behold, I have a son who comes along and it's like my father has been reincarnated. And this time, Adam, I don't have a choice. I got to take the kid fishing. You know, I can't be the bad dad is like, forget this. And so 
we jump headlong into it. And it's been, you know, this incredibly joyful, you know, turn in my life. I never imagined, of course, that I would be the kind of person who would be buying waiters in my 40s. <laughs> you know, like, have you ever, like, had to shop for waiters? No, no, no. You know, this is where we are now. Um, and and yet there's something, you know, and, and it's still an acquired taste. There are still a lot of people who don't understand fishing. But for those who do, it, it, it has made an impression on me that the it really is at its heart, not really actually about the fish. It is sort of about the solitude and camaraderie, um, the sort of contemplativeness at a time when our lives are incredibly jammed full of distractions, technology, chaos, to say nothing of everything that was happening in the world the last couple of years. It was this really soulful, important thing for us. I mean, I write in this chapter about fishing was that one of the things it's going to sound corny, but one of the things that I found kind of comforting about fishing during the pandemic was the fish didn't know, you know, yeah. the fish didn't know there was a lockdown. The fish, the, the, the world was moving along. There was a thing, this whole like ecosystem around us that was persevering. And actually I found that strangely comforting. Um, and I also feel like, on a cosmic level, this is just my father getting back to me. Like, this is like paranormal revenge from the grave from him. He's finding this funnier than anybody that, you know, I'm shopping for waiters and fishing lures and spending way too much time in Bass Pro Shops. That's awesome on, on so many levels. What? How would you describe, and, and you get into this in the book, you get into this in your first book, your tweets, your columns. What is it like for Jason Gay as a Little League parent? <laughs> okay so you're getting me at a good time because it wasn't little league but we're just finishing up youth soccer uh and both of my kids had wonderful seasons they both played really well my under eight-year-old daughter she's yeah she's seven she's on the under eight team ended up having a championship season they went all the way to the final they won the championship they got trophies and i have to say i've always you know, considered myself, I'm going to be the chill parent. I'm never going to be that parent who's like, you know, wrestling the referee in the parking lot. I'm never going to be the screamer. I'm not about like all the madness of travel teams and specializations and sending your kids off to Florida. I don't want to be that person. But when you see your kids have success, it is strong stuff, man. It is a strong, strong, you know, feeling. And I, and I was like, wow, like I you know, would want to chase this feeling for a long time. But, you know, of course, you want to be able to, like, give your kids the breathing room to have the successes, have the failures. Because I think, you know, as much as the the the, the pleasant things in sports are the things that uh, shape us, the, the, the lack of successes and the failures and the things beyond our control are equally important. But so, yeah, I really, like... I was an outsider for a very long time, kind of mystified at how parents, like, I'll give you an example. So I was talking about this with a friend of mine, you know, as somebody who's covered sports for a long time, as you have, I used to see parents of say a professional athlete or a high level collegiate athlete. And I'd see their parents at the games and I'd be like, man, these parents must be sick of this. I just like, you know, they probably <laughs> got into 40,000 40, games and they're still going and they must just be, cannot believe they're still going this. And now I'm like, if my kid had a soccer game tonight, I would love it. I mean, yep. there's nothing better. There's no, I, it just sounds the most ridiculous thing, but you know, I've had the incredible privilege to be able to go to some of the great, great sporting events in our world. There is nothing like seeing your kid out there 
Uh, and so, yeah, trying to balance that excitement on my behalf with sort of the, you know, important restraint in sports parenting. I think that's a balance that I'll have to reckon with in the coming years. Yeah, and I love it too. And by the way, I, I, I've said that before on the podcast, you know, I, I love watching the kids and I love watching them play sports. And, you know, my, my middle child or girl is, is a tremendous soccer player and she's playing yeah. in, in all these travel leagues and, you know, softball the same. She struck out in a championship game. And, okay. and it, 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 it was a called strike three. Had, yeah. Right at the letters, got a swing yeah. against her best friend, and Ugh. she's a she and she she's a tough girl, and yeah. she was moved to tears, which is sure. not in her. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. That was yeah. as okay as the double she hit earlier in the game, or the great play that she made in the field in the semifinals. Having that moment, that strikeout, Jason. That's part of the learning experience, I think, for these kids. And you know what? Being there as a parent, I mean, I need games tonight. I need games tomorrow. I need more games. I mean, I, I can't get enough of watching them play. A hundred percent. And you bring up a good point about, you know, a sport like baseball or softball or even something like fishing, to be honest with you, that it's failure based at the end of the day, you know, the, the great successes in those sports are people who, you know, achieve their success less than 50% of the time, which, you know, by any other metric is not success to, you know, be successful 50% of the time. It is something that teaches you humility. It kind of enforces it. And even at the elite level, even when you're getting 30 million bucks to come in and pitch an inning, a middle relief, it does enforce a kind of humility to it, which I think is very admirable. And like, you know, baseball is a sport, softball seems to be gaining, but baseball is a sport that, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out where it fits in like American modern life. Right. But I still feel there's something very valuable about that for young people. You had a tweet a few years ago that caused me to laugh more than I've ever laughed oh at twitter.com. I can't believe I spend 74% of my time as a parent zippering up jackets. Yeah. Nobody tells you as a parent how often you have to put a jacket on and off, take yeah. it off, and yeah. what kind of arduous process that's going to be, Jason. Well, right now we're in the, I mean, today it was 30 degrees in the morning, and I don't know what your children are like. My children are like Alaskan. They do not want to wear warm weather clothes until nope. they're absolutely forced to. They will go out the door in shorts and a t-shirt on a day like today, unless they are held down and wrapped up. I found myself caving to the sort of ease of like sweatshirts and things that were easy to sort of put on. Another example of that is like footwear. We were big on the Velcro footwear in this home till we got to the point we realized we had a nine-year-old who didn't know the first damn thing about tying a shoe. That's not acceptable. Tying a shoe should be one of those essential life skills. You should not go over life without learning how to tie a shoe. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where you got to kind of like pull back a little bit and, and, and let them learn how to do it on their own because if they're not, yeah, I cannot zip up jackets you know what are they going to do when they go to school and they have to put on their jackets to go outside of recess now the joke is they're not putting their jackets on outside of recess they're walking out there but they got to learn how to do it themselves so i appreciate that we had a moment where we realized our seven-year-old boy and we have two older girls that 
he couldn't tie a shoe and just Velcro nonstop. Like, what the hell's wrong with us as parents? We, you know, we're it's a third child, but we we have to figure out that he needs to learn how to how to tie a shoe so I can appreciate well, the that. The depressing part, Adam, is that I have started to migrate towards those like easy slip on, slip off shoes. I have the crazy Nikes that sort of like break apart that like you can put on without like I mean. It's like I'm 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 the laziest man alive now. Like even tying shoes for me is a pain. I mean, this is just sort of how we're going as a society, right? It's ease of comfort. Ease and comfort. Now, I mentioned how much I love your columns, and I, I consider you seriously one of the best sports columnists in the country and what you do for the Wall Street Journal. So, you know, I, I live in a world, and this is what I do. Takes. My takes have takes. I have takes. Radio, TV, podcast. Takes, takes, takes. The game of the year in the NFL, I think we could all agree, the Minnesota Vikings and the Buffalo Bills this past weekend. Yeah. Now, there was no better recap than your column. And I I don't want to paraphrase it for the audience, so I just want to read you back to you. This is from Jason's column on the game of the year. The Vikings-Bills game felt like taking your dog for a very nice walk. Then your dog decided to steal a car. You tried to talk to your dog out of it, but by the time you were able to explain the hazards, the dog had already stolen a car. Yes, your dog knows how to steal a car and drive a car. Stop asking questions. You kept trying to take the steering wheel away from the dog. But the dog kept driving and barking and barking and barking, but also laughing. The dog drove the car off a bridge, stuck the landing, then drove through a bunch of vegetable stands, like the stunt drivers do during cliched car chases in the movies. Your front window was covered in tomatoes and cucumbers. A tomato salesman was banging on your roof. You kept yelling, stop dog, stop dog. But the dog would not stop. Bob Sager was on the radio. For some reason, you were wearing a Fran Tarkington jersey. Suddenly, you found yourself riding in circles around your old high school track. The dog was still at the wheel, laughing, laughing, barking, barking, and now smoking a giant cigar. Your high school algebra teacher was in the car. Then the car was driving across the water. When, with a furious screech, the dog hit the brakes, jumped on a pair of water skis, and skied off, yelling, Vikings win! Vikings win! That was the Vikings... <laughs> that was what the Vikings and Bills game felt like. Holy cow, is that genius. And how the hell did you come up with that? Well, contrary to some of the emails that I got, I did not smoke or uh, take any kind of uh, medication before that. Uh, it was achieved purely on caffeine. Uh, yeah, look, you're in this business. You know what it's like when we have events that, especially something like professional football, where it's just a mass event. And you know that everybody and their uncle is going to be having a discussion about this, a take about this. And, you know, keep in mind, they're having them immediately in the aftermath of it on television, radio, social media. So if you're in the business of, you know, writing in a newspaper, which is kind of like making horseshoes in 2022, like <laughs> you got to come up with something really fresh for the next morning's paper. And so I sort of begin from that point, but I'm always interested in kind of the emotive aspect of sports, right? 
I'm not the kind of expert who's going to be able to break down X's and O's. I'm not an expert in any regard, but I'm not the kind of person that you're going to turn to for some sort of granular appreciation of the game. I'm very much drawn to what the sort of communal experience of watching sports is. And that game, as you know, you wouldn't call it a classic. You know, it's not like that Chiefs uh, uh, Bills game was like, you know, a couple of years or last year, rather. It was something completely different it was like a collision of a bunch of things you'd kind of never seen in a game or maybe you hadn't had seen in a game but you never seen them back to back to back to back like that and when you consider the patina of you have the bills and the vikings you cannot pick two more star-crossed heartbroken franchises in the history of the game they're the only two teams to go to four super bowls and lose all of them you add all that together and there was just something extraordinary about it. And I'm not going to lie. I watched the last quarter of that game. I was like out doing others. I was being soccer dad. I got home and I was like, I guess I'll turn on this game, see what's going on. Looks like the bills are going to win. And then just the craziest cat fight I've ever seen, like in a football, I was just absurd. And that's the stuff. That's so fun to do. And I think in my job that like to be able to get in there and render it in a creative way, but also know that people are meeting me halfway because they're so excited about what they just saw. I feel like one of the great privileges about writing in sports, talking about sports as you do, is that your audience is meeting your passion with their own passion. Think about it if we're writing or speaking about topics that everybody knows nothing about, right? You have to inform, you have to explain, you have to do all this legwork before you even get them engaged. People are already coming to the newspaper. People are already coming to your show fired up because they just saw something totally insane. And so they're coming to it passionately. And I feel that's the best part of doing these jobs. I feel in some ways it's like cheating. You want to talk to somebody who has a hard job, talk to somebody who covers like bond markets at the Wall Street (laughs) Journal. People are not calling them up like in the same way that Bill's fans are. It's a much more challenging job. And I'm grateful to have the easier one. I love that. And and listen, that you summed it up perfectly because we've never seen that kind of finish with all those moments back to back to back to back to back. And the tortured nature of the fan bases certainly was a factor here. Jason, I'm curious. And I asked Ian Eagle this question. So take this as a compliment. Number one, when did you realize uh, you were this funny? Number two, your style of writing a sports column. When did you realize that can work. Did you have to sell that to the Wall Street Journal, to people that, trust me, this is going to work? When did you realize you were this funny? When did you realize your style was going to work? Well, I mean, I, first of all, I appreciate the, the implied com- uh, compliments there. I mean, I don't feel, I feel you're only as good as your last one, right? I feel like- I it's say all that all the time, yeah. You feel that? I mean, like- I just feel like, you know, just because you had success with one doesn't mean the next one's going to be easier and everyone's going to turn against you. And I always feel like this kind of anxiety and urgency, which I I think helps. I think like, you know, kind of makes you like try to achieve a standard. You're kind of say funny. My family, especially my children, would disagree strongly. In the case of writing a, a newspaper call, I have this very sort of idiosyncratic job in that I am writing a sports column 
at probably the last place you would imagine reading a sports column. You know, the Wall Street Journal is this incredibly august newspaper has been around for more than 150 years, has this incredible tradition, has very serious, very capable reporters across the world doing very high stakes, sometimes dangerous work. I'm over in the toy shop, like, you know, spinning, you know, the tops and juggling and all that kind of stuff. I get to sort of coast on their talent. And again, because the journal is not people's first read for sports, nobody's put together their fantasy football team because they're reading the journal. You get the chance to take a little bit, uh, you get the chance to experiment a little bit. And, you know, the, 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 the thing I remember hearing early on was just like, don't be boring, right? It's like, don't try to match what you're reading elsewhere. And, you know, we all kind of, especially when we're starting out, you get nervous about kind of sticking your head out there. It's kind of easy to kind of, you know, play it safe and down the middle and, you know, not take chances. And I don't mean like taking chances in terms of like, you know, crazy thoughts. I mean, stylistic chances, humor chances, those kinds of things. But the greatest thing that's happened is just to have an audience of people. I mean, there are so many people who read the journal. It's like up like to 4 million people now in, in, in the world. And, uh, you know, none of them are picking up the paper because of me, but they're like, what the hell is this? And to have an audience develop over time has been the greatest joy of my professional life for sure. Um, and it's taken me to places I never dreamed that I'd want to go, you know, including, you know, Brooklyn Nets preseason games. Just kidding. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not the kind of thing where, again, like, you know, when you were joking about like, oh, you know, sports columnists in the country, uh, there's, that's a shorter and shorter list. You know, we both know that the ecosystem of newspapers that you and I grew up with, you know, we probably both read five or six columnists before we, you know, oh yeah, school in the morning. And we were very shaped by those people and the power that they had. Yep. That world has changed. The power has shifted to people like yourself who are sort of, you know, uh, uh, platform agnostic and kind of do it all. And, and in some ways, again, I joke making horseshoes, but it really does kind of feel that way. Or like I'm like a glass blower for a small clientele of people who like glassware. <laughs> it's increasingly uh, 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 um, you know, a, a audio and video driven environment, but I still get such a kick out of the verbal, I mean, the writing part of it. And I just can't imagine doing anything else. I love, you know, experimenting in your world, but I just feel like if I had to cho choose one, this is where I want to be. Well, you mentioned experimenting in my world. So I want to hit this for, for a few minutes. Crowd goes wild. And you're, <laughs> you're, you're working with Regis. And look, the nature of it, it was never going to be a long-term show, long like just long-term job, right? Just that was never going to happen. But my goodness, the collection of people on that show was wild. It's Regis. What was that experience like the couple of years you were with Regis on Fox Sports doing Crowd Goes Wild? Well, a couple of years. I, I I wish it was. I think it came down to about seven or eight months in total. But I mean, it was an unbelievable trip. It's exactly kind of what you thought it was. You put that show. If I were to describe it to you, a six-person sports panel with a stand-up comic, a viral sensation, uh, a woman from Great Britain, uh, Trevor Price, the NFL uh, Pro Bowler, and Regis and a rando from the Wall Street <laughs> Journal. 
like that's not exactly looking like bonanza okay like you know, like i don't get exactly why it existed it feels like you know a michael davies fever dream michael davies being the one who put it together i just feel so lucky to have done it and i was talking to somebody about this the other day about regis you know he was exactly what you kind of always hoped he would be he played regis not just before the camera but in real life and when you had the opportunity to introduce your mother to him or your auntie came into town regis was regis in a way that was so wonderful and i will always have great affection for him what a great guy he was uh he is the only human being in history who has successfully been charming talking about himself in the third person. You know, usually when we hear people talking in the third person, we're like, oh God, please don't do that. Regis was the only person who could pull it off. Like he, you would walk past his dressing room and he would say, hey, Regis doesn't want to sit here and eat by himself. Come on in here. You know? <laughs> so, so did you go into the dressing room? Did you eat with Regis? What was that like? Of course I did because I have this affectation of being super obsessed with old timey TV. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, was a television baby. He came up through the era of Walter Lippmann. He was a late bloomer, oddly enough. He didn't really get going until his 40s. I mean, he had this like 45 year juggernaut run, but he didn't really sort of take off until he entered his 40s and had the uh, ABC stuff. But he just had incredible stories. And, you know, we joke about these cliches like, you know, we're running out of people who shook Frank's hand. Regis shook Frank's hand. You know, he really <laughs> did. He was one of those people. Um, I'll tell you one funny thing that I heard about him that I always remember and love. Uh, Vin Rubino, who was his executive producer for a very long time and a lovely guy and, and with Regis forever. I remember asking him, like, or he would get asked a lot, like, how does Regis, you know, still have it, you know, in his 80s? Why is he so sharp? Why is he so, you know, still capable of doing this on television? And Vin would say, like, well, he's worked one hour a day for 60 years, <laughs> you know, and it's true, <laughs> you know, like Regis, you know, he didn't have to do that for 18 hour days. You know, he wasn't like sitting around at two o'clock in the morning, like, you know, sweating through scripts. He was the most incredibly telegenic and efficient presence I've ever been around in any profession. And he was just, so I remember asking him, because what the peak of like his fame, which was like the Kelly show or the, uh, probably Kathleen Kelly right around that transition and doing Millionaire, you know, he was on the cover right. of magazine. He was the king of the world. He lived in that big building right across from West 66, the ABC. And the hair and makeup people used to come over and they would do his hair and makeup before the nine o'clock show. So the show went on the air live at nine o'clock. And I remember saying, Regis, like, when could you leave? What was the latest you could leave your apartment to be on the air at nine o'clock? And he was like, 851. You know, like, <laughs> think about that. You're walking, That's out insane. Your You're walking out of your apartment for a live national television show, taking down the elevator, you know, just sitting there and then just cross the street, go on the air and be like the most like beloved person on live television. It's amazing. Oh, what a what a story! What an anecdote! What a life for for Regis, without question. I love that you've kind of hitched your wagon a little bit recently to Thursday night football. Speaking of <laughs> legends and Al Michaels, the yeah. the tweet on Thursday made me laugh out loud. Where we're a half away from Al Michaels having a steak and a scotch, a little sirloin. And by the way, I would watch that. Like if you gave me the choice, oh, yeah. 
Al's oh, yeah. going to sit and have steak and a drink oh. and tell stories oh, yeah. versus Panthers, Falcons. Jason, that's easy. Give me Al Michaels oh, yeah. eating, drinking, and telling stories. I'm absolutely. And and I would put him in that category of Regis Philbin, of not just sort of legendary television person, but also like one of the great storytellers and one of the people who's exactly what you kind of hope he is when you get the opportunity to talk to him. He is very much that person who is not uh, abashed about talking about the incredible things that he's witnessed and the joys of his job. And also, I think one of the things that makes Al Michaels stand out is calling a dog a dog. You know, when he has a bad game on there, he's not trying to fake it. He's not trying to make you think that Panthers and Falcons is exactly the ice bowl. He is like, <laughs> you know, sort of reveling in the misery of it. It is sort of a funny thing because in some ways, Al has done this incredible pivot. I think he's 77 now, if I'm not mistaken, 73. I'll get it right. But he has shifted from, you know, the penthouse of Sunday night football and before that Monday night football and before that all the great shows that you've seen him in to digital. And this is seismic moment being a part of the Amazon product. It's not like Amazon, some scrappy up and comer, but we'd never had this before where it's just on Amazon. It's not simulcast elsewhere. And it's a risk. And I think he's done an amazing job with it. But it is funny, at the end of the day, it's still Sunday, uh, Thursday night football. And Thursday night football has always been kind of this bridesmaid show. The irony of it, Adam, you know, is that it's the number two rated show on television. Of course. You know? Of course. For all the, for all the bad, <laughs> bad games there have been, for all the one-sided, miserable games, for all the jokes you and I are making, it is. It is the number two show on television behind only the Sunday night game that just shows the potency. It shows two things. It shows the potency of the NFL as a product, but also just that television has just changed so radically and that we, we don't really kind of have appointment television in anything other than sports nowadays. And it's true. And you reference, you know, in your, your latest column, if Al was reviewing Waffle Makers on the air in the second half, giving it three and a half stars, you'd, you'd be into that. Jason, final question for you. On the heels of Jeff Saturday going mm. from television to coaching the Indianapolis Colts, would you leave your job to coach Wisconsin football? Uh, what's the buyout package, Adam? Okay. <laughs> I presume I'm fired within six weeks, but all right. So let's say let's say it's in let's say it's a ten million dollar buyout. I can do a lot of damage with you know how many waiters <laughs> I can buy with ten million. I could probably buy my son a bass boat. I don't know. It's pretty tempting. That is the thing about those jobs. You know, you or I, we lose our job. You know, we're out selling hand puppets at the mall within a week. <laughs> These college coaches, they're set for life. It's astonishing, these packages where they're getting eight figures to just sit at home. It's crazy. I don't know where we got, how we got here, but uh, yeah, it's pretty hard to look away from that. As much as I do feel the journal has given me the best job I've ever had, uh, 10 million bucks is, mm, that's pretty good. Might have to do it. I'm telling you, the book is incredible, and Jason is hilarious, and he's an unbelievable writer, and the essays are poignant. Make sure you buy it. Check it out. It's on Amazon, wherever you get your books. I wouldn't do that if I were me. Modern blunders and modest triumphs, but mostly blunders. 
Jason, you are the best, my friend. We always love talking to you. Keep up the great work. Keep making me and America laugh, and we will talk to you again real soon. Thank you. I'll keep making those horseshoes. That's just If anybody needs horseshoes, you can come find them at WSJ.com. Adam, I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you, your team. I appreciate it. It's time for the Shine Wine. I love a good Merlot. As you heard our guy Rock say, of course, that's our guy Rock who does our voice work for the Adam Shine podcast and also for Shine on Sports. He's got great pipes. Time now for the Shine Wine. And speaking with Jason Gay, we talked about how much we love watching our kids play sports. So, you know, I only got to see one of Theo's flag football games, Bob, because the games were on Sunday mornings. There was one game that was on Friday night, Friday Night Lights at the high school, which was awesome. And, you know, I'm working on Sunday morning doing that of the pregame show on CBS Sports Network. So, you know, Katie's the one waking up for games at 8, 9 in the morning. You know, the only mom there. All the dads are out watching. And so Theo's team, he's on it with a bunch of buddies. Uh, His friend Bennett's dad is a coach. His friend Bodie's dad is a coach. You know, my buddy Brian, his his kid is is on the team. His uh, Theo's friend Jack. And, you know, so I'll get texts from them. And they've struggled this year, right? I mean, they, I think they, they had won one game. So Sunday morning, and I don't check my phone regularly during that of the pregame show. It's a long show. There's a lot of moving parts. So I try not to check my phone too often. I turned it over, and my phone was blowing up. Theo Shine, a pick six. A pick six. <laughs> Six on an early Sunday morning. Nobody was videotaping. Sometimes, you know, you have someone who will video something when they're on offense. Nobody tapes. No one videos on defense. I had a friend, Randy, who texted me. His kid was playing on the other team, but, you know, he wasn't videoing at the time. So I have no visual evidence. But Theo, who, who really feels like he's on top of the world, Dad, what was better, my pick six or Justin Jefferson's catch against the Bills? Like that, That's <laughs> where his mindset is right now. So, you, again, you talk about little victories as a dad and as a parent. I mean, so apparently it was a 99-yard pick six, and Whoa. he busted into the gritty, Bob. <laughs> the gritty at the end. Then, and, you know, Theo's a good athlete. He's small. He's a really good athlete. You know, I, I, I would not say he's a great flag football player by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, I would say baseball is more of his sport. Basketball, soccer, he's a great soccer player. And it's, it's pretty awesome that not only did he get a pick six, he ran one in 50 yards for a touchdown. So two touchdowns for Theo Shine. I missed it, obviously, because of work, but he he was all sorts of fired up. So that's how my Sunday started. <laughs> then we watched the Bills and the Vikings, and Theo loves the Bills, and obviously he was really, really sad watching that, the joy, the jubilation, then the heartbreak. I mean, I, I thought he was going to cry when, I mean, he kind of did, when, when Josh Allen fumbled the snap in the end zone and then what transpired with the, the pick at the end. Yeah, I, I feel was really not happy. And, and with all that on a Sunday, Bob, I mean, I, I couldn't stop thinking about our Daily Fantasy League. Now, you finished in second. Your lineup was an, an absolute thing of beauty. I have spent so much time 
on my fantasy team. We talk about this all the time on the show. I- I'm obsessed. My buddy Ken, the commissioner, you're in the league now. I'm in second place. Our buddy Nick is number one. And and I'm, I'm rocking. I'm rolling. And, you know, I'm out to dinner with my buddy Dave a few weeks ago with our wives. They're like, literally, all we talked about was daily fantasy. Like, I'm just, all I think about, you know this, what are we talking about on breaks during radio show? Daily fantasy in the lineup. So, I literally, during our pick segment last week, I'm like, Justin Fields is a free square. That's what I said. You said that. I literally said that. Bring it back. (laughs) I had Pollard in my lineup. I had Barkley in my lineup. I had Cole Komet in my lineup. (laughs) I changed it all Sunday morning for Christian McCaffrey. Mitchell got more carries. You beat me by 70 points. There's always that one week you have a dud. And I I fall to third place. I'm out of the top two. What a disaster. You want to talk about the ultimate shine wine? For someone who loves, loves daily fantasy, what the hell am I doing, Bob? Adam, this wasn't the dud week. This couldn't be the dud week. You had so many free squares. As soon as you said Justin Fields is the free square, I put him in my lineup. I didn't waver the entire week. He was cheap. 43 points again, Adam. I have never seen a run like this ever in fantasy. You can't bench Justin Fields, especially because he was cheap. He was cheap for what he's going for. I couldn't and playing the it. Lions. What a, I played I Mahomes, but but based upon price, how do I not play Fields? No, it was a huge mistake, especially to, you mentioned he's playing the Lions. And also the Bears defense stinks, right? So you knew it was going to be a shootout. You knew it was going to be a bloodbath. You knew they'd gonna go, they were going to go up and down the field the entire game. That's exactly what happened. It played out exactly like I thought. Tony Pollard was an easy one with Zeke not playing. Saquon playing the Texans. It's funny. He put up 26. I feel like he disappointed, to be honest. The Texans are atrocious. He only had like 150 yards. To me, that was a, that was a big disappointment on the day. But, uh, I mean, I, that, that's what it comes down to. There were so many great plays. I cannot believe what happened to you. I'm still pissed, too. I have to whine a little bit as well, Adam. I lost by one point for first place. And there are two things that happened. One, I played Foster Moreau, which was a really solid play. 13 and a half points. Good play. Good play. Should have played Cole Komet, had him in the whole week. All right, whatever. Still got the touchdown. He has the ball go off his hand. Second to last Uh, play of the game for a touchdown. uh, Oh, that was terrible. And how about the other one? Played the Cardinals defense. J.J. Watt. Scoops up a football. It yes. is a touchdown. Without a doubt, Adam. Without a how did they blow that dead? They never blow that dead. That's a touchdown. I win easily by eight points. I couldn't believe the two things that happened to me that cost me the victory. I shouldn't be whining like this in the shine wine. I had a hundred. No, you should. Points. You should it's, because yeah, but wait, it's one thing if it's a lineup yeah. mistake. But when you see something happen live Ugh. that equal legit, like it's my, my rant with, with Romeo Dobbs a few weeks ago. When you see it live, it's even worse than the lineup. It's even, yeah. when it's in the hands and, or a bad call, that's even worse. What happened to you is actually worse than what happened to me. 100%. 100%. Adam, that would be like after Theo's 99-yard pick six, the officials actually blew the play dead when he picked it <laughs> off. He was down by con. You know, one of the flags fell off somehow without being touched, and they blew the play dead. That, that's how I felt. It was sheer robbery. Imagine robbing Theo, Adam, robbing him of that joyful moment. I mean, he's the next Charles Woodson. Imagine robbing him of that moment. That's what the officials did to me in DFS. I'm still mad about it. 
Unbelievable. By the way, I want to shout out another friend of mine, Brian. It was his son's Ben's bar mitzvah, and it was a great time. Unbelievable ceremony, great service. The party was off the charts. The whole family was there. It was incredible. And, you know, he texted me last week. He listened to the podcast. Instead of text from Jack Shine, it's like, where, where was the fantasy rant? The one, the one week I, I win the fantasy league. Can I, can I get a little love? And I, he deserves it. Absolutely deserves it. He had Nixon, most... right? Five touchdowns? Yes. Yeah, yes. That was amazing. Yes. Yeah, good yeah. for him. Deser- deserves the shout-out. Yeah. yeah. So he said it goes instead of text from Jack Shine, you know, text from, from Brian saying that, you know, I, I won the fantasy league. And most especially the, the bar mitzvah was unbelievable. By the way, Coke and Pepsi, still a game they play at, at, at bar and bar mitzvahs. It, it's unbelievable. Oh. The kids are into it. I, I almost you know, played with my buddy Henry, but our girls were there and – you know, I, I was the one who said, I don't want to embarrass him. He was all, he was all in for it. I mean, you, you can't be the only adults playing in the kids game, but I thought about it. It is, it is bat mitzvah and bar mitzvah season for me, so maybe next time. It's time for texts from Jack Shine. All right, it's a segment that's sweeping the nation. Texts from Jack Shine. And this is actually perfect, right? Because it was yesterday, and we're taping this on Tuesday, so this was Monday at 8.11 a.m. Eastern Time. Good morning, Adam. How are you? I just got done listening to your podcast with Colin Hanks. I thoroughly grooved on the podcast. Absolutely sensational. Have a good day. And don't forget, kick ass, take names today on the radio. So that's the inspiring text from Jack Shine on a football Monday. 45 minutes, Bob, before we go on live radio. Kick ass, take names. That's the text from Jack Shine. It's like you're brawling with the call, the callers, Adam, on the show at this point. I love how he's just such a wordsmith, though. I mean, I got to start using more of his adjectives. Grooved. I, I just love how he threw that in there. It's funny, though, because when it comes down to it with most people's parents, even with my parents, you know, sometimes the texts are a little choppy. They're a little short. You know, you don't get all the words, right? I, 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 do not get, I do not get short and choppy texts from my no. dad. Nope. He is a textsmith. He's a wordsmith, Adam. He really is. I love it. I love how detailed he is with his text messages. Detailed, direct, kick-ass, take names, no prisoners, words to live by from Jack Shine. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Jason Gay, how great was that? Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM. Thanks to our listeners on Pandora. Thanks to our listeners on Apple Podcasts and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you do not miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon, Eastern on SiriusXM, Mandog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Shine on Sports weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Man Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82, and on the SXM app. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. Touchdown! For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Sirius XM Podcasts. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.